Welcome to Paranormal, the New Normal. I am your host, Jeremy Bryant, as always, and with me today is a guest that I have been looking forward to hearing his story since he first messaged me. And he is Dean McMurray, the military medium. And Dean, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on tonight. I really do appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I believe you're only the second person I've had in this podcast that's been in the service. <laughs> if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong about that, any my day my past um, guest, I apologize. But we must not talk about it. So, Dean, why don't you kind of tell us where your story begins, or how you got involved in the paranormal world at all to begin with? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jeremy, it really kind of takes me back to you know eleven years ago, right? Uh, eleven, twelve years ago, and. You know, and at that time I was, uh, I was on my last deployment with the military. Um, and prior to all this, you know, here I had this long career in the army, um, and I was getting ready or I, I was, I was finishing up my last tour, um, overseas and, um, and before this there was, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that I was aware of. I didn't have paranormal experiences. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, spiritually minded. I wasn't looking, you know, looking, I, I didn't uh, go out looking for mediums or psychics. I didn't kind of, uh, you know, circulate in those, in those circles. And um, long story short, when I came back after my deployment, um, you know, all holy hell, paranormal craziness started happening in my home and what i mean by that is clocks and pictures literally started flying off the wall and uh i was like holy crap like what's going on and because i hadn't had an experience like that up until that point and so you know i looked at my wife who had shared with me while i was overseas that her and a bunch of girlfriends would go to a local psychic here in my area. And I was always jokingly referring to this local psychic as the voodoo lady or the voodoo chick, as I always called her. And it was, you know, honestly, Jeremy, I, I always poked fun at what I didn't understand because I think it helped me um, diffuse things or, you know, put it in a way that, you know, made me feel better. And so, you know, poking fun at it, calling her the voodoo chick, you know, would make it a little bit easier for me. But quite honestly, when all this stuff started happening in my home uh, and I started having the experience, I was like, call voodoo chick, you know, <laughs> the first words out of my mouth, like, you know, call the only person that, you know, that I know that, or that I've heard that does any of this. And, you know, and she came over and she started connecting to my deceased grandfather, who, by the way, was a World War One veteran. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't in that time of in that mind frame. I, I wasn't I wasn't really open to hearing from grandpa, nothing against him. But at that point in time, I was, you know, trying to rack my brains like, why is grandpa stepping forward? I just want all the craziness to go away. And that's what I was thinking at the time. And, you know, and I completely missed the message from my grandfather. But quite honestly, um, you know, she didn't uh, she didn't change anything that evening. And in fact, 
activity only progressed and actually got louder. Things, you know, um, ramped up, as they say. In about two weeks after uh, she had shown up, um, I was washing bottles for my then newborn son and uh, around midnight. And um, here I just knew that my grandmother was with me. Now, my grandmother um, passed, oh, I want to say like in the early 80s. I was probably 10, 11 at the time. And... Um, you know, I was quite honestly really taken back because I was like, how do I just know, you know, that clear cognizance? And I hadn't experienced it before then. And I was like, how do I just know that she's here with me? And I, I literally start having a conversation, Jeremy, with myself at the kitchen sink at midnight. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm going crazy, you know, like, well, I don't know. She's not here to hurt us. And, you know, and just kind of trying to rationalize, like, I don't know, but grandma's here. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, body, and spirit that she's here. And I went to bed that night knowing that she was there. And I think it's normal for most people, if they know a loved one, a deceased loved one is is there with them um, in spirit, like we just kind of gravitate to, hey, we want to talk to them. And so, you know, the old question is like, how are you doing? What have you been up to? You know, and it was all one way, Jeremy. It was all one way communication. I wasn't receiving anything um, as far as, you know, information or anything. And um, then my ego popped up because my ego said, you know what, Dean, this is all BS. You're making this up, I'm trying to put logic into what I was experiencing, right? And, um, so I quite honestly, you know, my ego's telling my logical self, you know what, if grandma was here, she would prove it. She would absolutely prove that she's here. And, you know, as soon as those words left my head, um, you know, it was an immediate drop in temperature that changed it to absolutely frigid. And I was like, holy cow, you know, um, that's <laughs> you got my attention and of course then i had to go back to logic again because i was like you know there's got to be an explanation for what's going on you know does wife got the fan and this is happening in the november december time frame and here i am in the midwest so it's not uncommon to be you know very cold out um so here I'm thinking maybe the wife left the window open, all these other things going through my mind. And I'm very much awake, but I have my eyes closed at this point. So I'm very conscious. And, you know, so the thought comes back up in my head, my ego again goes, you know what, if she's really here, she'll touch us. She can just touch us. And that way there's will be no, absolutely no question and anybody's mind that, you know, what, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, you know, the experience. Right. And I always kind of laugh because, you know, I, I, I always say that uh, in reflection, that grandma was not there to disappoint that night because it was, I still remember it like it was yesterday, Jeremy, it was, you know, a gentle yet firm pressure that started, started the top of my head, went to the bottom of my feet and quite literally literally pushed me into the bed. It was like if, if somebody was laying on top of me and 
you know, at that point it was like she had the attention of the six year old <laughs> me version of me that was like, all right, oh my God, you know, like what what uh what seal to hell did I break? Who did I piss off? Uh, you know, I was totally freaked out at that point. And of course, you know, yeah. what's that? I said, of course. I mean, you, well, yeah, right. I hadn't had any, you know, physical interaction or anything to even any level of that up until this point. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I just basically said, you know, I love you. See you soon, Grandma. Like, I'm thinking you need to get the hell out of here. That's <laughs> that's what I was thinking in my head. It was like the six-year-old uh, version of me, like, freaked out. And as soon as I said that, though, it was really kind of funny. As soon as I said that, it was an immediate, like a finger snappy moment that all the weight came off, the the temperature returned to normal, um, like, like nothing ever happened. And quite honestly, Jeremy, I'm sitting up in bed completely out of breath, covered in sweat and going, what the hell just happened? And trying to wrap my head around, like, I know what happened, but like, what happened, you know? And and I was like, oh, my God. And here we had a, a newborn in the house, and um, our daughter um, was about five, six at the time, right? And uh, so, you know, here, here my wife, uh, the mother of a newborn and a very young child still, and you know, for the moms out there, maybe even the single dads, whatever, you know, a lot of parents that, um, you know, that they don't sleep deep when their kids are really young. Maybe you don't now too, but my wife at the time, I got to share, she was sleeping like she never slept in her life. Let me just tell you that. And I'm, I'm trying to wake her up after this event. And I'm like, you need to wake up. And she's like, what, what, what's going on? And I'm like, there's somebody here. And, you know, of course she's thinking there's somebody breaking in. And I'm thinking, yeah. no, that would be easy to explain, right? The physical threat is understandable. You can wrap your mind around that. And, you know, it's something that you can, you know, like you can confront something physically, but how do you confront something? And of course, now I know, but at that time I was thinking, how do I confront a ghost or a spirit? And I was like, oh my God, like freaked out a little bit. Like, what, what do I do with this? And I was like, you need to get the voodoo chick back over here. And she was like, Dean, it's like two o'clock in the morning. You need to go back to sleep. And, uh, you know, I looked at my wife like she was nuts because I was like, there's no sleeping tonight. I'm, you know, I'm not going back to sleep. And the, um, so, you know, long story short, that um, in a nutshell, Jeremy, was my awakening moment or my spiritual awakening, whatever you want to label, you want to use it. I call it my come to Jesus moment where I got whacked over the head with the two by four. And, and it was something I needed something so visceral that I couldn't easily dismiss um and something that i knew that even many 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 years from that event i would never forget and you know and it you know that was the doorway that led me down to all these other we'll call them rabbit holes right and yeah. uh you know as you've probably heard hundreds of stories of people 
on their own unique journeys. And um, that was my, you know, beginning. That's, you know, what the catalyst that set it all off. So. And what a beginning that is. My God. I mean, that's quite a beginning. I've heard, and I have heard a bunch of stories about people's spiritual awakenings, which is what I like to call them. And that is definitely one of the more unique ones. That's for sure. So. None of this started till you came back from your service, right? Well, right. So, you know, I, so as I uh, iterate or kind of get into that a little bit, so I kind of start after I got into my spiritual journey, we'll call it, um, I started getting inquisitive because I was like, well, if I'm intuitive um, and if I have gifts, like, was I, because you always hear other people's journey, like, whether it's their mediums or healers or whatever, like, oh, I've been talking to dead people since I was three or two or, you know, whatever the case is, right? And I was like, you know, was I aware of it when I was younger? And I just, you know, maybe there was an event that that shut it down. And, you know, so it's more inquisitive. And I do recall, like, very minimal like events, um, but they were significant, I guess, in my eyes. And I go, oh, you know, there's something there. But I didn't remember a long string of things. And, you know, I do remember times even with the military that I go back in my journal when I was in Afghanistan in 2003, I kept a journal. Um, and, you know, I was, I was looking through that and I was like, oh, that, you know, you, you remember things that you've forgotten. And I was like, how could I forget this? And so, you know, was the ability always there? Yes. Um, but for whatever reason, it really laid for the majority of it dormant until I came back from my last overseas deployment right before I retired. I was in my last three years of military service, but when I came back, um, you know, everything kind of exploded. It was like, um, there were so many things ending for me, Jeremy, in my life and so many things beginning. And what I mean by that was here I was ending, um, 24 years of military service, um, you know, which made up you know, the majority of, you know, uh, up until that point, my, my adult life, right. Um, that's pretty much since high school, that's what I knew. And here that was ending. So that was a big part of my life, which I didn't really understand. I was like, Oh, you know, you just serve and you go on to do other things. Right. And, uh, I thought, you know, my plan was to work for the, the local VA, right. And, um, and here a lot of things were beginning as little did I know this tremendous chapter in the spiritual journey. And, um, the last of my two children were born. Um, but also that was an ending and be in a beginning, right? So it was like, okay, even though you may not be having any more children right now, um, that's also a beginning. So, you know, with, you know, uh, with the birth of uh, our youngest. So um, there was a lot of cycles ending and starting. And I, and I, I didn't really see it until many years later. And I was like, holy shit, like there was 
look at these big cycles that were ending in that three-year span. And then I was like, look at these big cycles that were starting. It was like, I can almost see these big gears, you know? And I was like, wow, I said that I, I, when I, when I was able to see that perspective from my life, I was just like, whoa, that, that was cool to be able to be given that vision, I guess. Um, But um, getting back to what you were saying is, uh, or, you know, more on point is, um, you know, were there, was I aware all through my life? No, I was not. And, and I think that's why, because I, you know, if somebody said one time, they, they jokingly referred to me as, um, if anybody knows, um, Mike Rowe, right. The dirty jobs guy. Yeah. And kind of, yeah. And, and, you know, he's so well-spoken. He, he really he has a way with words, but, um, somebody said, Dean, you're, you're like the dirty jobs guy. And I was like, how's that? I don't even look like him, sound like him, <laughs> you know? And they were like, but you, but you give the, the no bullshit answer, uh, the down and dirty, um, and doing what you do and, uh, kind of like the no fluff type, um, answer to things and, and also your approach on doing. It. And I said, well, I appreciate that. I'm just. I'm just trying to do me. I'm just trying to figure out who the hell I am. And so I was like, oh, the micro of (laughs) spirituality. Maybe I'll get a shirt, man. I don't know. But um, but so it was kind of interesting. And so it was, and I think I've always kind of just, this is kind of who I am. um, Because I even had that like in the military, like a no bullshit or no fluff type, you know, you just, what you see is what you get, right? So, <laughs> as it should be, as it should right. be. I am not a fan of people I put on fronts myself. So, you hear exactly like me in that way, and I respect it. Right. So, you saw your grandmother, correct? Yes. Well, I, so um, in the beginning, I didn't see her like in a materialization. Um, it was a knowing. So, if you're familiar with the Claire's, um, the, the psychic senses, um, the clear cognizance, so the clear knowing, um, is what that you know was the the ability or or the sensation that I had was was I just knew in my bones in my body like mind body and spirit I know that I knew that grandma was there with me I didn't get any validation outside of just knowing and I was like then that's why I was like how the hell do I know it's grandma. I don't know, but she's not here to hurt us. And um, so, yeah, that was, I just knew it in my bones, as they say, you know. Um, it was yeah. Just, anybody that you, the way that I like to explain it to my students now, looking in, in retroflection, um, if they're having those moments, is like, you know, anybody that we're really close to, um, anytime that they come into a room, you know, science tells us that, you know, when we tar- start talking, not that I'm a science nerd or nothing, but they're actually displacing mass, right? Air mass, you know, all energy, all that great stuff. And we can sense other people's energy or what they felt like energetically, emotionally. And so when you're when you are around your grandma or your mom or your dad, everybody has a different feel. And 
that's what I felt when I, you know, just like I would when I was a kid, you know, you know, just like a little kid. And I was like, wow, you know, that's grandma's here. Like I could, I just know, you know, like, you know, if your mom's here, like, you know, mom, like I've grown up with, you know, all your life until they pass. So yeah. that's why there was no question for me that it was okay. You know, and it wouldn't have mattered if the world stop or, you know, the most stringiest um, cynic or skeptic or anybody tried to shoot holes in my theory about how I knew, you know, how did you, and it'd be like, you know what, that's okay. Cause I'm not trying to make somebody believe or disbelieve or whatever um, was, you know, cause that was truth for me. And there, there was nothing nobody could um, dissuade me from, because I knew, um, you know, like I really experienced that. There was no, <laughs> there was no, there was no confusing, you know, like, were you having a PTSD moment or, you know, and over the years telling this story hundreds of times on a lot of different platforms, you have so many different people try to poke holes on it saying, well, did you have a, and, you know, and, and they're trying to understand and I get it. Um, you know, some people say, well, did you have a, um, since you're military, did you have something that set off maybe a traumatic aspect or was it a, you know, a night terror? Was it, you know, different things? And I'm like, no, no, that was not anything malevolent. It wasn't anything anxiety. It wasn't, a, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, all I felt was love, peace, and support with it. Now, there was an aspect where it was a little, <laughs> yeah, as I shared, that it was a little freaky when, uh, you know, when, you know, I felt all that weight on me. But uh, especially when you, when you ask for it, like, hey, you need to touch me. <laughs> and then then you get all this weight on you. It's like, oh, shit, what did I do? <laughs> you know, like, I had to open up my mouth. So, for sure. Yeah, which I, that actually was going to be one of my questions is, what did anything happen in the military that might have sparked it? I mean. Yeah, and a lot of people ask that, too, because, you know, rightfully so. You know, they talk about, uh, you hear some people talk about uh, whether they're military or not. Like a traumatic event is the catalyst for some to say maybe they had a near-death experience. Maybe they had something very traumatic that just, you know, was the catalyst and not that I can remember, um, you know, my last deployment was really um, more of a, you think of a peacekeeping, you know, deployment. The hardest thing about that is being away from my family for the year. And then, you know, if they would have ran out of coffee or something, that was probably the, the hardest thing about that. Um, certainly a lot more difficulties in previous um, deployments. And, but I would share is that, um, you know, there, there wasn't anything that I could find or that I could remember, um, that had anything to do with, um, the awakening itself. Right. So, um, it was something, and I really believe this going back to it, Jeremy is like, you know, I kind of asked like, why me, why I'm now like, I, I'm, I, I didn't even watch paranormal shows. I didn't watch anything metaphysical. Didn't read anything. You know, grew up in a very uh, normal home, you know, and uh, 
nothing crazy and or what I label as crazy at the time. And really it was more about how I was supposed to go on to serve people at a bigger level. And really, if you think about it, and I didn't realize it until I started getting into all this, is that, and that's one of the reasons that I joined the military was really to be part of something bigger than myself, right? Um, and to to help people, right? And so I realized that going on to become the military medium or go, you know, to to figure out what mediumship meant or to take this on and be a service to others um, was doing the same thing, but in a completely different role. It was serving something much, much bigger than me, you, anybody else but doing it in a whole new way. And I was like, whoa, this is, when you say think outside the box, this is you know, outside the universal box. So I was like, okay. But yeah, I mean, sense. I understand completely because since I started doing this podcast, like I've had some, I mean, my house is, has two spirits living in it that built the house and were the original residents in it. So I'm used to that, but right. I, and, Recently, and with doing the show, when I'm doing it, I'll get like these strange feelings, like you know, chilled back, a little weird feeling in your brain that you can't yeah. quite like put to anything. So I understand completely because, and I've had other mediums and psychics tell me that like this show is what I'm supposed to be doing in the paranormal world that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, which I don't know if they're just being nice or if they're actually <laughs> if they're actually sensing something that I can't sense or well the 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 word that I heard was awareness so like you know bringing so whether that's through the podcast or and of course understand this and you know blind psychic could tell you this as well is that you know following going down the you know starting with the podcast that leads to other things obviously right and so, you know, other things spin off of it, it, whether it's years down the road or whatever. And so understand is that bringing awareness, um, parent, you know, to about the paranormal different, you know, and like, I, I love the aspect of the paranormal, you know, the new normal, right? I love that um, is kind of like your tagline. And so really talking about like, it doesn't have to be weird. Um, you know, it, uh, it's just something that's, um, even though there are so many shows and more awareness about it out there than there used to be, um, you know, I, I still think that it needs to be talked about because now more and more people are having experiences. They're turning to podcasts like yourself, like your podcast, Jeremy, and, they're looking for information or looking for validation where they are in life. So whether they're just having their first experience or maybe multiple or maybe several years, we have to understand that and trust that there's something that in each episode that you produce and each guest that you have on, or even if it's, uh, you know, even if it's just you, that there's something in the message that you put in that episode that's going to reach the right person at the right time and whether it's a you know profound impact it might be like 
oh, or like a little seed or whatever the case is, but bringing awareness to, you know, just maybe somebody starting on their journey. Maybe they've been, you know, maybe they've been doing the paranormal thing for 50 years, whatever the case is. Um, there's a lot of great people out there and everybody's having, um, some really interesting experiences. And, um, so yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of interesting people. I've, I've found that out. I mean, I've done 13, 14 episodes so far, plus a few bonus episodes. And I've met so many interesting people I never would imagine yeah. talking to years ago, but and no, I don't. I don't do solo episodes just because um, <laughs> I can't imagine just talking to myself for an hour, an hour and a half. Like I can't. I could, but I wouldn't want to listen to it myself. So I'm not going to go through. <laughs> I'm not going to make other people listen to it either. But, <laughs> I but yeah, that. I mean, and I mean, well, what what I, when I asked about your service, well, I, was, I mean, I know it's out there, but it is the Middle East. There is yeah plenty of paranormal over there as well. There is gins and all the other elemental spirits sure. that they believe in and that they report having encounters with. Yeah. I mean, did you ever so, run into any of that by chance? Or? So let, let me tell, talk to you about a couple incidents that I remember for sure. Um, so where I was in an area of Afghanistan, it's great because now that we're out of Afghanistan, I can talk about so much of it. Um, I was in a little fire base, of, you know, maybe some of your listeners know where it is. But there was a little fire base called um, uh, Asadabad. So Asadabad was a little, little actually just outside the village of Asadabad, but they have forward operating base Asadabad or ABAD is what a lot of them. And actually, a lot of these operating posts were pre-Russian, um, you know, sites. Yeah. And so in the area that I was at. Um, and basically was a, you know, what I considered as a fire base, um, is we had a, you know, two, uh, mountainous observation posts, um, you know, that we would go up and occupy for a week at a time. We would go up and go up in the mountains. We'd occupy. And of course, um, you know, there was various weapon systems up in the, in the mountains if we needed it. Um, you know, our job obviously was to observe and report. And then also to provide, um, you know, sustaining and supportive fires. We, you know, we had a 50 cal uh, heavy barrel machine gun up there. We had a few things. Um, but what I would share is that the reason that I was talking a little bit about this is it has a lot of history. Again, I talked about a lot of these sites were pre-Russian sites. And this so happens um, the area or the valley that, um, where, uh, we were, um, it's closer to Pakistan to put it in, in real, uh, you know, kind of give you some relevance. And one of the areas it was, um, the, the fire base itself, there was, it was kind of interesting because, um, the history kind of goes about it is back during the, the Russian occupation um, that before they were Taliban, that the, you know, the, the local Afghanis uh, actually amassed in strength and numbers and actually took over the mountainous observation sites by force, killed all, you know, everybody up 
at the mountain observation posts. Now, there's one site that still has a Russian artillery piece up there. Um, it's kind of uh, kind of interesting. That's still a, a smaller, like a smaller cannon. And then, of course, they had a lot of their their uh, you know their different uh, various uh, heavy machine guns. And once they actually took over these sites, they actually turned it back around, back onto uh, the firebase. And then, of course, uh, you know, they started attacking this, this small base. And uh, not only from the mountainous uh, observation posts, but also from the ground in different, uh, different areas. So, and long story short, they were getting overrun. They were just outmanned and uh, they were just getting hammered. And when they knew that they were going to get overrun, the the Russian officers called in for um, uh, air support, and they sent in helicopters for evac. And uh, all the officers got on and left all the enlisted. Isn't that a, like, yeah, sorry, guys, we'll see you later. And uh, so long story short, with this, um, the history of this fire base is, of course, they got overrun. They took all of these prisoners. I didn't. Uh, I never did ask like, um, like how many, um, but it was interesting because there was actually, um, and this was years before we ever took occupation. But there was a known area of the fire base that was an area where they put all the the prisoners, the Russian prisoners, and they mass ex executed them. They, they didn't take any prisoners. They just, it was a mass execution. And um, so the reason that I'm telling you all this is that not for the history of Afghanistan, not that I'm a historian anyways, but what I'm sharing is, is that um, it was interesting because when we would take over um, these mountainous observation posts and be up there for a, a, a week at a time, uh, you have to envision, you really have to get the, the knowledge of the land because it's like a barren wasteland up there. It's very shale rock, very windy, different weather pattern. You're up there, right? And so, you know, um, sometimes the clouds are below you and all this. And even though it had a beauty to it, um, and but there was also kind of a, a creepy factor. And I remember there was a time that um, I kept on, and it was windy out, and I kept on, I swear to God, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I kept on hearing voices, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I kept on, as I was sharing, I kept on hearing voices, and I was like, what the heck? And I had the night vision goggles up. We had thermals going. And it was myself and another person. I said, do you hear that? And I thought I was going crazy. And he was like, you know, I, I was a squad leader at the time. So he was like, no, sergeant. And I was going mad thinking there, you know, we're being, there's somebody sneaking up on us. And I know that we had trip wires out or, you know, trip flares with trip wires. We had claymores, we, you know, we were armed up to the teeth, but there was nothing that ever came back 
on, you know, any signatures. I was like, yeah, I couldn't see anything. No heat signatures, nothing. And I swear to God, I could hear people like whispering. And um, so one of the things that um, uh, I did on a, another night that I heard this is I, I just kind of said it to because I didn't want to be that guy was um, I said, you know, one of the things I would like to do um, because I have a concern that, you know, somebody was trying to come up this way that, you know, we wouldn't be able to detect them um, is that what we'll do is get three or four guys and just kind of come over the top of this hill a little bit to see if we can see anything with thermals or night vision. Cause we had some great optics and uh, you're really not going to miss anything. We had magnifiers and the whole nine yards. And um, so again, I heard this voice or voices and I, you know, and I sent the guys out and we had security and, and nothing. And I was like, and everybody's looking at me like, uh, Sir McMurray's losing it. And I was like, you guys can't hear that. And they were like, no, we, you know, nothing. And I was like, and I chalked it up to going, you know, it was just, just the wind. And, but I knew in my heart of hearts that there was something more. And so again, you think about how, you know, I remember digging a, a 50 caliber um, defensive position on top of this one mountainous observation post. And when we started getting down so far, about three, four feet, we started hitting uh, like spent Russian casings and everything. And they had a lot of hellacious fighting in this area. And um, I started thinking about that and, you know, since get, getting into my spiritual awakening and I was like, you know, sure shit. I was hearing these disembodied voices and I, you know, and here I was thinking that they were actually somebody, but where I was just hearing, you know, cause I'm like, I'm going nuts. I'm, it was just the wind and it still drives me crazy today if it's windy or something. Um, and I can't quite hear fully what, you know, like if somebody's trying to talk to me or whatever. Um, and it's kind of interesting now that it does, it doesn't take me back. People are like, Oh my God, there's a PTSD moment. No, it's just, it's something for me that, you know, I, I, I like to be able to hear and, you know, if something is obstructing my hearing. It's just, it bugs me. And so it was kind of interesting when, you know, I, I put the two to two together. There was another moment in time when I was in Afghanistan that we were doing a mounted um, patrol, meaning in vehicles. And we were actually, um, we had been going for quite a while and we actually stopped. And I heard behind me, there's a seat behind me in the vehicle. I heard very clearly, you know, move the vehicles up another 500 meters. And I thought, which, which was kind of weird because there was nobody behind me in this vehicle. Um, there was the gunner who was standing up through the hatch in the vehicle and there was a driver. That's it. And very clearly though, there was no mistaking this voice telling me move the vehicles up another 500 meters. And this went on several times, like getting more like, Hey, you need to move the vehicles up. And each time I was on the radio trying to get the lead vehicle and nobody's answering, which I thought that's really weird. And so here I got outside my vehicle 
and sprinted forward, you know, and, um, and a lot of people don't realize like, you know, you got full basic load, you got body armor, you got the whole nine yards on and you're sprinting, you know, forward several, you know, number of vehicles up going, you know, what the hell's going on. And, and here it was so weird. It was like, I was, uh, you know, the twilight zone, almost an old episode. Um, yeah, yeah. Here they were like smoking and I was like, are you guys, you know, and one guy is, you know, doing a bathroom break. And I was like, are you guys crazy? Like, what are you guys doing? Stopping. And, uh, so long story short, we heard, uh, what we still believe today is, was, uh, an ID trying to be detonated, remote detonated. And we had some technology with us that were in the early stages of being developed by some civilian organizations to stop um, IEDs and other things from being command detonated. It was a jammer, basically. And uh, we still believe that we owe our lives to this day, thanks to that device. But I go back to that voice. I'm like, the technology I can I can wrap my head around. Thank God we had it. Um, but I go back to the voice. Where did the voice come from? And I'm like, you know, was it was it my guardian angel? Was it my, you know, was it uh, some other divine entity? And I was like, you know, <laughs> I stopped trying to figure it out because I'm like, it was trying to save our asses um, instead of, hey, hey, dummies, you know, move your vehicles up like you, you're in you're in danger um and it was just very clear it was very and as you know and it was like and then move your vehicles up another 500 so it was very you know responsive as far as and it's like trying to get our attention or might and i had it and i was trying but at the same time it was so interesting sometimes i wonder if it if it isn't so i could talk about that experience now and yeah. to get somebody else listening that's listening to this very, you know, that maybe this episode um, to be like, are you listening to what your guides or your intuition or whatever you call it, um, you know, to move your vehicle up another 500 meters or whatever it is that gets you out of danger or gets you to success or, you know, so I think about that a lot. Um, sometimes I'm like, Am I listening? Am I, you know, am I, am I being an open vessel? So, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, well, going back to your first story, first things. Um, yeah. I mean, any place like that, that has a huge history of very rough violence, there's a hundred percent most likely haunted to some degree by those that got, got beget that violence. I mean, right. usually the victims of something that horrible will stick around because they are, the spirits are confused about being dead already. So I can 100% believe that you were hearing voices pro- probably from that one room. They were all probably still in that one room and you could hear the voices throughout the whole base. If you well, this wasn't a room. This was, this was outside. This was, you know, you think of going out in nature. This was, you know, <laughs> there was no room. There were, you know, there were rooms, you know, buildings or whatever, but, you know, it didn't need a, it didn't need a room. You know, you think of, well, let's use Gettysburg as an example. Goodness, you know, um, look at all the, you know, disembodied spirits are still hanging around there. Um, I was, I was going to compare it to Gettysburg actually. Yeah, <laughs> say, but. Well, I think that's a, a, you know, it's so famous and, and has a, 
such a strong spirit, um, you know, presence, um, for, you know, for whatever reason that, you know, the spirits that reside, you know, still are there today that didn't cross over, you know, and, you know, taking back to Afghanistan or the Middle East, I don't care what region, um, you know, we're just talking about when I was there. Uh, hello, have you ever read a history book about Afghanistan? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> it goes back. I mean, good Lord. I mean, there's always been fighting, like, and there's always somebody trying to conquer the land. And yeah, so a lot of maybe not in that specific area, but you know, in the same with other regions of the world, right? Um, so regardless of you know where you are, it's it's kind of interesting because when you start looking at history and when you start looking at the levels, like you know, at what period of time are we hearing from? Is that a, you know, is that an echo or is that a from, you know, the Civil War area? Is that, a, is that from something from, you know, talking about Afghanistan? Was that from the time that, you know, was it from when Genghis Khan was in uh, Afghanistan? Maybe. Yep. Maybe, maybe when the British were there, how, how about when the, the Russians, you know, take your pick. I mean, good Lord, it's been going on for a long time. So, I mean, yeah, that whole part of the world has just had so many different invading forces over the years. It's ridiculous. Right. right. Well, and you, you know, and, and you can really put that overlay on so many areas of the world and it just kind of makes you, and, and the more I think about it, the more sad I get a little bit, cause I'm like, God, how much fighting you know, we just continually a warring species. And I'm like, you know, and it is a little fascinating when you start talking about the paranormal, because we're talking about the dead. We're talking about other entities and all that great stuff. But, you know, when we start talking about factoring in the history of that and, you know, like, uh, you know, what still resides, what's still going on, um, you know, and. And not only that, I, I didn't have any, you know, I, I was on a another show and they were talking about gins and, and other things, you know, like from Afghanistan. And I didn't have any experience with any of that. I did have an experience with what I, um, what I summarize as a UFO. Um, and it was, it was brief. It was, you know, some lights that were not that did not exhibit what I would call a standard aircraft um, yeah. And there was no, uh, no friendlies in the area at the time. So, and it was kind of crazy cause we had thermals up too, and there was nothing on thermal. So it was like, so, you know, it's like, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Don't radio it in. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Um, but yeah, some, you know, there's some crazy stuff out there and we're only, you know, it's just a sliver. And I think that's, what's fascinating. It's like, Okay, that's a pinprick of what you know. So many other fascinating things that are out there, but yeah, I mean, well, the amount of UFO sightings over in that part of the world, especially since we've been over there, has been ridiculous. I mean, it seems like every couple of weeks that there's another sighting, like by a military person over there from some army. Sure. Well, yeah. and I would, I would really argue that there's probably a lot more than what. Um you know, that we've been told or anybody oh. knows about because, 
God, yeah. quite honestly, if, if, you know, um, if you're a career individual or, you know, or somebody that's, you know, not, don't want to be the quote, quote unquote, that guy or that gal, um, you know, you're not going to report it if it's not causing a threat to national security, like, you know, be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm not reporting that. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know what that is. I, and, you know, could you, um, say, oh, I think it was an aircraft or sure you could, but, um, I think there's a lot more reports than what people, um, you know, let on that or have experiences that are like, there's a lot of, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. With anything to do with the military, there's always going to be more we don't know about than that we actually know about. Well, sure. Sure. And that's, and I think that's, yeah. You know, whether it's UFO related or whatever, I, you know, um, and I think there's an aspect of that, that is under that umbrella of national security, because maybe it happened during a time of, um, you know, like, do you have a need to know, (laughs) you know, um, is it going to put more people at risk if I tell what I experienced? Um, so I think there's a little bit of that, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people that, uh, don't want to go down that road. And, uh, so. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't blame them. And I mean, the fact that, the fact that you, I mean, running into a gin over there is just, it's such a rare thing these days. I mean, you don't hear stories about them as often as you would hundreds of years ago. Right. I, I don't know what the cause of that is. I mean, could just could be a lot of different reasons, but. And I mean, yeah, I definitely feel like in your second story, because I didn't get a chance to say this, but in the second story you told, that definitely feels like some kind of guardian angel or heavenly presence, like trying to warn you to get out of the way from this device well, that would basically destroy the cars. Well, right. And, 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 you know, and that was the thing that, um, that I kind of summarized from it. I was like, you know, I, I don't feel, I didn't, you know, it didn't feel anything malevolent. I felt very protected, um, you know, so I was like, okay, so this is a, you know, what I would consider a divine entity or, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, thanks for the, thanks for the heads up. I'll, you know, I'll take more of that. But it was, and, you know, and it was interesting too, because it wasn't until many years until after I came back and, you know, I was sharing, you know, that I kept a journal and I, I have went through it. Um, When I was trying to kind of, reflect back you know did i have any other experiences and i you know i was looking at afghanistan and i was like oh crap like i knew when like i had a feeling or you know i was basically talking about my intuition um before things would happen before a rocket attack or you know uh before that night or whatever you know there was things um that i was feeling that were you know, coming that. And so it was kind of interesting when you have that perspective um, and are able to look back and be like, ha, ah, I was picking up on it. I didn't even know it. And, uh, you know, you just kind of sum it up as being salty, if you will, or experienced, the experienced soldier. And um, so, you know, however you summarize it, um, you know, it was, uh, it was certainly a good thing that I was listening. So, um, 
So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sounds incredible. I mean, just to have those two experiences alone, plus the ones you had when you got back, it just seems like it's definitely like something's leading you down the road towards something big. Well, and it was, you know, and, and that was the thing, Jeremy, is that, you know, I, um, you know, I had all these experiences and then I was quite honestly, you know, after all that, after my grandmother came to visit me and all that, um, I tried to ignore it all. Uh, there was a bit of time that I tried to ignore it. And, um, my daughter who was very gifted herself, um, when I tried to ignore it, they were coming to her. And if you ever want to hear anything creepy, have a five-year-old little girl come into your bedroom at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, two, three o'clock in the morning going, daddy, there's a man in my room. I mean, good God, you know, the bells yeah. and whistles and everything, you know, I go running in her room thinking there's somebody physically there. And quite honestly, I, I was, and then when I was like, oh, there's a man, you know, thinking there's, there's a man in spirit. And then it's like, well, now what do I do? You know, now I got, you know, it's not like you can, you know, knock this person down. And so I, uh, my wife said, well, you, you need to figure out what you're going to do with it or, you know, what, you know, and so I was like, okay, so. I went back to that local psychic. She was the only one I knew at the time. And she had me read a great book by John Edwards called The Infinite Quest. And, you know, I read the book and it really talked about boundaries with spirit and all this great stuff. And, but I was more confused than anything because in the book, it asks you why you want to be a medium. And every time I went over it, I was like, I don't want to be a medium. I I'm not, I don't even want this. I'm not, I wasn't looking for it. And so I was more confused really than anything. And so when I went back to her, I said, I hate, you know, at first I said, I hated the book. <laughs> and uh, I said, but I'm confused. I said, it asks you why you want to be a medium. I said, I don't want to. And uh, she said, well, I think you need to figure out, you know, what your purpose is. And I was really frustrated. And so uh, she helped me figure out a meditation, if you will, where I could just call my mind. And really, again, it was where I had the, the clarity, a moment of clarity going, it's to serve people at a bigger level without the con you know constraints that the military does. Um, and that's really why you served in the military was, you know, to help people at a bigger, on a bigger scale. Um, and this is completely different and, but you know, in the same aspect. And I was like, well, that really makes a lot of sense actually. And so I was like, okay, I guess if I'm a medium now, what? And so I really went on a journey of figuring out who Dean the medium was. And I was consuming all these books and, watching there wasn't a you know i think there teresa caputo was just coming on tv at the time uh john edwards and james van prague you know of course uh yeah. cornerstones had been on for many years and i'm watching all this stuff and i'm listening and i'm you know and i'm like but i came to the realization i was like that's fine for them 
and I see what they're doing. I can read it. Yeah. And I, you know, but I was like, I want to know what it means for Dean McMurray, not James Van Prague or John Edwards. That's them. And I was like, because if we truly have our all our own pass, like, what does that mean for me? Does it mean that I'm just going to be giving readings on weekends or, you know, and I, and I kind of poked fun at it a little bit, you know, and, and I jokingly said, well, am I going to be giving readings in my basement? And I was like, Ooh, you know, trying to be funny or a smart Alec. And I think there was, you know, one of my guardian angels must've certainly been like, yeah, 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 Dean, you will. And, and then tour boats and and Ubers and anywhere else that you're called to give readings. And and really, quite honestly, right before I retired, finally retired, um, we have moved um, towns and um, we the new home that we purchased um, had a well, kind of part of the office that I'm in now. And I knew um, one of the reasons that we purchased this home was because at the time, I, the plan was to see clients face to face. That's you know how I kind of started out. And so we had my the basement in my home remodeled into like an office, and uh, you know, and that's and and as soon as I retired, that's that's what I was doing, you know. Um, and, and of course I had taken a, a, a course in mediumship. I, you know, did other classes and different things. And, uh, but long story short, um, was just, you know, I started kind of one foot in front of the other. And, and when I finally pulled the pin from the military, um, you know, I started doing this full time. Uh, and quite honestly, I thought, oh my God, I'm nuts to be doing this. And it was crazy because if you go back about 10, 11 years ago, um, you know, here we had the military had shut down. Um, the military pay was all wonky. There was, uh, oh, it was all this craziness. And I'm like, really? I'm retiring now? <laughs> like, there's all this <clears throat> uncertainty. And um, so, yeah. Hello, Nicola. Ah, Nicola. Now, Irene are so, on. Nice. I think Irene might have dropped off already, but she may still be here. I'm not sure. She, okay. she pops up in a lot of my shows. But Oh, nice. So have you had any interesting experiences since you kind of began this career? Yeah. So I've. where do I start? <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, so many cool experiences. I, I really feel humbled to just, you know, to be in the presence of these experiences. Um, you know, one of them was, um, I had a lady reach out to me and she was like, Dean, uh, you know, I have, my husband's dying and, uh, he's a veteran. And she was like, I would like you to do a a reading for him. And, he was basically in a hospice unit. And I was like, wow, I've never been asked to do this. I'd be honored to. And so basically the whole family's there. Uh, you know, he was very much awake, a response, but he couldn't be verbal. Um, and so they just wanted, you know, to give him some validation that he was going, number one, to a good space when he passed. And, 
you know, and there, of course, their hopes were to connect with his mother that had passed many years before. And, you know, of course, what everybody hopes is our loved ones are going to be there to greet us and all that. And long story short, it was, uh, you know, it, it went well, um, gave him validation and peace. Um, and, uh, it was, yeah, it was some, it, it really, truly, it's one of those readings that I'll never forget, um, to be asked to be in that moment to, you know, hear, hear their dad, their, their husband was, was dying and, and given the honor to give some validation and peace to him prior. Um, and then I got a message. I want to say it was several weeks later and then he had passed. And then uh, it was some time later, the, the wife um, wanted valid, you know, reached back out and she wanted validation that he had crossed over peacefully and all that. And, and so just kind of that connection and validation. Um and, uh, you know, another one that really strikes me was uh, a story that I call the Christmas tree angel. Um, and this one's really cool because uh, it was a number of years after my spiritual awakening. I was still in the very much in the military. So by this time I was, you know, a Dean the medium by night and Dean the soldier by day. Right. Kind of sounds like a Marvel comic and yeah, uh, it does. <laughs> yeah if anybody's from marvel or dc just give me a holler you know what i'm saying but <laughs> but what i'm but what i'm sharing is that by this time that some other abilities have popped up and where i could start seeing like if you think of spirit out of the corner of my eye right and so yeah. it started becoming very normal like this is during the day or like things move like i started becoming you know, where the paranormal becomes normal, right, Jeremy? And exactly. So I, you know, so that the, you know, that used to be the normal routine. We, the, the kids were still little. So you get them home from daycare and school, you get them fed, you play with the kids, you know, you clean up the house, the kids are in bed and it's just, you know, me and the wife. And that's the time that we get to talk about the day we get to reconnect and of course, you know, uh, the first thing we start talking about is, you know, spirits or whatever. And I said, who the heck is the spirit that keeps on hanging around? And she goes, I could feel somebody here. And so, um, very clearly I could see, um, uh, a, a young male, uh, Nicole, I asked, did the, did did our kids pick up on it? No, they didn't. Um, and that's a great question because my daughter, um, extremely, extremely sensitive. Um, my son was just a, you know, a little toddler couldn't, uh, couldn't speak at the time, but, um, kids are extremely intuitive oh. and very on. Right. I um, actually just had a teenager on here who has, is very sensitive and has, has had it since she was a little kid. Yeah. So it's, very proven that kids are way more oh, way more sensitive than we are crazy crazy stuff um but uh yeah absolutely and so you know you know i clearly um one of the things i you know i clearly saw uh, a young male i started describing this young man in spirit to my wife and she started crying and i was kind of taken back i was like what's the matter? What's going on? She was like, I know exactly who this is. 
And I was like, who, like thinking, who, you know, who is this? And here she, you know, shares a story that when she was a young girl growing up, um, she had a friend that, you know, lived, she lived out in the country and this young kid, uh, when, when he was about 10 or so, um, had, you know, grew up in a troubled home and ended up unfortunately taking his own life at such a young age. And, uh, she was like, actually, he was a good friend of, you know, me, but also, and I'll use a fictitious name just, but John, uh, John Shaker, which was a, a great good friend. And they, John and his wife live about an hour North of where we do now and give you some context. And I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. So, you know, a childhood friend that took his life and um, which made a big profound impact on her and, of course, John and a bunch of other people. Uh, and so, long, you know, basically what it was is that um, he started talking about, hey, I'm going to miss Christmas because we had a Christmas tree up. This was November time frame. And uh, then he goes, I like your Christmas tree angel. And he was behind the Christmas tree, kind of in the corner between, uh, you know, kind of like a banister going upstairs and the wall. And I was like, what are you talking? And I actually physically got up and I'm talking out loud now. And, you know, my wife's looking at me like, what the heck? And so I'm like, well, let me see what you're pointing to. And I wedged myself behind the tree. And here on the tree was an uh, about a six-inch figurine of a crystal clear angel playing a harp. And very basic. And actually on the bottom, it said Made in China. So I thought it was a little funny. <laughs> um, and I actually gave gave the this young man in spirit a little shit because I was like, really? You couldn't do better than... and But it was more of you know the phenomenon called an apport. So where it was a physical materialization of something that wasn't there prior, because I don't know about you, Jeremy, but you know, most people, you know, myself included, like, I know, like if you have a Christmas tree, you know, most of the Christmas or yeah. you put on, you know, like, you know, the petrified cookie you made in kindergarten and all that crazy stuff. And uh, I said, where did this come from? And I'm holding the angel up to my wife. And she was like, that's weird. She was like, I've never seen that ever. And I was like, and so I took it off and I'm looking at it and, you know, uh, making comments about the made in China little sticker on the bottom. And so I took it off because I was like, that's really tacky, you know? And I was like, uh, and, uh, but I said, you know what? I said, I really feel that this isn't ours, meaning we need to send it. And she was like, well, who are we supposed to send it to? And I said, um, you know, John and his wife. And, um, and as you know, if you remember my story, John Shaker being my wife's childhood friend, who was also this deceased young man's friend. And, uh, and I got a confirmation from this young boy in spirit. And it was like, yeah, yeah, you need to send it to him and his wife. And so we packaged it up and we got, you know, that night and she said, well, what do I even say on a note? <laughs> and I said, you know, just say, you know, with love from a friend and just something simple and just don't make it crazy. 
And we had it sitting on like a hallway table for, I don't know, it was like over a week. Because And then one night my wife like yells at me. She was like, I thought you mailed this. And I was like, no, I thought you did. And it was one of those moments that, you know, we thought the other did, you know, mailed it. And she was like, well, we need to take care of this right away. Like she felt the urgency. And uh, so I took it down. There was a little uh, grocery store that had like a little post office in it right next to our house. And I got it mailed out. And I was like, there, I even got the the receipt here. And um, she gets about four days or so go by and she gets an email from John's wife one evening. And uh, my wife goes, oh my God, Dean, you'll never guess what I just got. And I was like, what, what's going on? And she goes, John's wife just emailed me. And she was like talking about how angels do exist. And I was like, okay. And she was, and so the story goes on to explain how John and his wife, um, they were pregnant uh, many years ago and they lost the babies, um, you know, before they could carry to full term. And they yeah. were, of course, very devastated as many families are. And mm -hmm. they had went on to have two very healthy, normal kids, um, very healthy, happy kids. And, but every year around Christmas time, the hospital does a memorial for everybody that has lost a child. And for whatever reason, their you know their their kids now um, had a high school play, and they couldn't make it to that memorial. Well, on the night that they went to the play, of course they were very happy that they could go to the play, but there was part of them that was just totally devastated that they couldn't go to this memorial. Well, the UPS guy or whoever delivered the you know postal guy um delivered the package that night we didn't know the timing we just mailed it here it was sitting propped up against the door they get home that's the first thing they open and here as they were you know devastated um in this remembrance that they here was an angel and you know saying with love from a friend and you know, they just went on to say just how much that really meant to them. And I was like, oh my God. I said, that is a, <laughs> and I I, I, I I joked a little bit, but I wasn't joking. I said, that's what those Hallmark movies are made. You know, I said, it's just the divine timing of that aspect. I was, it just gave me goosebumps because here we thought, you know, that, um, you know, that we were off, that we didn't send it in time. And here it was the perfect time. And here they, you know, so that was just a great example of, you know, spirit using us um, as a vessel to get a message to friends and, you know, to help them, you know, through this tough time that they, you know, in this remembrance. And um, so that's, that's one that I always remember. And usually around Christmas, I always share that old story um, you know, on social media, um, because it still kind of gives me goosebumps when I think about it. Cause I'm like, it's just a feel good story. And, um, I'm just like, you know, I still kind of go, wow. I just, you know, so there, you know, there's so many that it's just like, um, you know, there's other times where it's like, I just can't make this shit up. 
There's not, you know, even if the biggest cynic is, for example, I was given one of my, you know, when I was first doing readings and I was just practicing. And so I had a family friend in our basement and we were doing the reading and, and the, the, the first lady that stepped forward in my mind's eye, I could see her and she was very attractive. She was, you know, showing me it or her, you know, just what she looked like and everything standing there. And then all of a sudden, what I still remember this, she pulled up her dress, exposed her bare butt, slapped it, looked at me and winked and goes, how do you like that? Like kind of seductively. <laughs> and I completely turned red and my jaw dropped. And I'm like, how the hell do I, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, did that really just happen? And, or I'm, I'm like, is there something Freudian that's going, you know? And so I was like, and I was like, you know, so I just told my friend or a friend that I was like, I don't know how to describe this to you, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you, like, I see it <laughs> the closest. Huh, I bet you loved it. It was, you know, I would share, uh, that it was very, and first it was very embarrassing, um, but then I just explained it like I, this is what I saw. And then she just burst into tears going, that's my aunt. So-and-so that was exactly her because little did I know she was an exhibitionist. She didn't mm. care. She would walk around naked in public and she's like, you know, kind of one of the, you know, nothing that they haven't seen before type deal and would do that to get people's reaction. That's what she was after. She didn't care about anything else. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, here I'm totally embarrassed going, oh, my God. And that's where I always remembered, like, this isn't about me. And if I remove myself from the equation, my ego, like trying to get it right or trying to make sense of why is there a naked lady here slapping her bare butt um, and, you know, saying, uh you know, how do you like that? Um, you know, and you think about it, you know, whether it's an old drunk uncle or somebody that's spirited like this aunt, uh, that's people's, you know, real deal. So Cola says, I wish I had the confidence. Great for her. Well, you know, and I think the biggest thing is talking about confidence. I think it's just doing it. Um, and then, you know, through your, you know, whether you get it right or not, it's just continually doing it. So you um, you know, so you, you gain that confidence. It's just practice, um, you know, continually building that, you know, that intuitive muscle, so to speak. But, um, yeah, another one I'll share with you really quick too, Jeremy is I was doing a public gallery, um, in my area and, uh, I was connecting to this older lady in spirit. And because I was asking for unique spirit to you know, send me some unique things, um, to start off the gallery with. And this older sweet lady came forward and she grabbed my hand. She was like, Oh, Dean, she was like, just bring up the family joke about baked beans and fruit salad. And I was like, baked beans and fruit salad. And I was like, either I'm going to be a laughing stock or this is going to be a really good story. And I was like, okay. And I so I described the lady that I was seeing. And uh, I said, can anybody here recognize and or validate this lady? And there was, 
there's always the one, right? The, you don't want to be the first one called or, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 that can validate. And so she was trying to raise her finger, not her whole hand. And I said, yes, ma'am, you know, how can you validate? And Well, that lady's very clearly my grandmother. And I said, well, how can you validate, you know, or, or, or what, you know, what, what is she talking about when she mentions baked beans and fruit salad? And she said, well, she's talking about my aunt who's still very much alive. And she said, but it's a big joke. She said, I'm not too sure about the baked beans, but the fruit salad is a big joke around our family. And I said, okay, so what's, you know, what's the joke? And she goes, well, every family function, my aunt makes fruit salad. I'm thinking, okay, pretty normal, right? And I was like, okay, so what's the funny aspect with it? And she was like, well, when she makes it, she waters it all down. She adds water to it. And everybody's kind of like, ooh, you know, like, why are you doing that? Or why does she do that? And she goes, because she feel or she believes that it makes it diet when she waters it down. <laughs> and, you know, it was about that time that everybody was just laughing like, oh, my God. And no one likes it. <laughs> but, you know, it was kind of just that kind of uniqueness of, you know, just, hey, you know, it's not it's not about me. Uh, when I give readings and, um, you know, one of those things. And so it's always, it's always kind of interesting. There was another one I remember um, where I was connecting to another grandmother and she was so sweet, um, just a really tiny little lady in spirit. And the lady that I was reading was, she, she, she was pretty built. She was, you know, stock your frame and everything. And I said, Oh, grandma's talking about jail. Um, I heard jail and like, you know, getting bail. And I said, you know, did you, did grandma have to post bail for you? And she goes, hell no. She goes, I had to post, you know, bail for grandma. And (laughs) here, this was just, and I was like, oh, here we go. And here it was, she had the most badass grandma was like, this little old, you know, you think of looking at her, she was just a, you know, thinking of a frail little old lady. And she was just this badass, didn't care, you know, the hellraiser from way back. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I love her. And I was like, I wish I could just meet some of these people because I'm like, uh, I was just some of their personalities. And I was just like, so neat. Um, so I, I think that's the the huge piece that I just, you know, I, I still can't get over. Like, however long I'm with, a you know, a, a person and doing a reading for them, I get that opportunity. That's that's the honor that I get to get to meet their, you know, their mom or their dad or these these iconic people that are just, you know, some of them have really, really interesting. I've talk to some people like that have really um, have changed the landscape of our, our nation, of our history. I, I gave a reading to a lady in a large gallery one time and there was a gentleman and I was like, he's saying that he had connection to the Enola Gray. So if you understand like World War II history, Enola, the Enola is Enola gay or gray. I can't remember, but Basically, I think it, I think it's gay, but gay, yeah, I think so. Anola gay. Um, basically, it was one of the aircraft, right? That dropped one of the yeah. atomic bombs. 
And basically I was like, there's some, there's a connection, you know, there. And basically this gentleman um, selected the air crew for both aircraft um, to, for the, for the mission. And I was like, holy crap, like that, that's huge. And I, you know, so other things like that, uh, you know, World War II stuff, like um, there was a gentleman wearing, I was in Canada. There was a gentleman wanting to know something about, there's nobody left. He was saying that in his family, but he's trying to get genealogy done. And there was almost like, it was almost like the family lineage was almost like purposely erased, which made no sense to him. And so we started connecting and here we found out because of the persecution that they purposely um, tried their damnedest to erase um, their lineage because they didn't want their other, other people in their lineage to be persecuted on, you know, with the, with the Nazis and everything else. So it was really kind of inter. It was really fat. I was like, wow, you know, now we're getting into history, you know? So really, so yeah, Nicola had a comment. I don't know how you want to answer it, but sure. Um, I, I don't know. Like, um, I was going to say, uh, Jeremy for, for your show tonight, I didn't know your, your time frame, So I didn't know if we were going to be doing readings tonight or I mean, I, I got a little more time, so I'm I'm completely okay if it's up it's up to you. It's, sure, absolutely. All right. So yeah, we can it's your, do it's that. your ability, it's not mine. Oh so. yeah. So maybe soon, but we'll see. All right. Are you working on it? I after talking to a medium last week, I kinda want to start because things got a little weird after the camera went off. So okay. okay. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you're wondering what I'm doing is um, sitting over here doing a little, whoops, can't see it. Little shorthand over here, just connecting to some spirit information. So uh, Nicola, so a couple of things. One of the things when I do readings, a lot of uh, people don't realize I also do connect to archangels as well. So we're going to, so you might hear me refer to a little bit of archangels and other things, but we'll, we'll talk about some spirits that are step stepping forward as well for you. So, uh, first and foremost, we have Archangel Michael, very much the protector steps in, right? Um, Michael really gives a nice bubble of protection around you. But one of the things is saying that very important to, um, make sure that you're not letting others like influence your energy. So very, very much the empath aspect, right? Also, uh, the other two angels that are stepping forward to you is Archangel Gabriel, who is the messenger, um, works a lot with the intuitive ability, psychic ability, all that. But also, if you work, uh, we'll say in the logical world or in the 3D world of, you know, if you need um, to really communicate on a bigger way, also uh, Gabriel works on that aspect and also on Archangel Raphael. Raphael works with healers of all modalities in the Western medicine and non-Western. Uh, so one of the things is that it's kind of that it kind of feels like some healer um, aspects. So whether you work in healthcare or not, um, just understand that 
um, it might be something for you to check into. So, uh, but let's talk about some spirits for you. So, um, so I do have a female that does step forward. It's kind of interesting because one of the first things that I can smell around her are flowers. Now, this would have been somebody that would have absolutely love flowers. Um, and the thing that I am smelling is like um, two things specifically is um, lilies and then also roses, um, which are, you know, we think of lilies like during the spring, um, you know, kind of going through that aspect. But then and then the roses are kind of the staple that are um, seasonal. And that's the thing that she's talking about. She was like, they're both so like they have their their times, if you will. And, um, so, you know, she just loved her bouquet of not only roses, but having, um, the lilies as well. And, um, I'm also understanding with her is that she was very prolific in baking. Um, you know, I just feel that, and I also smell like, you know, like, uh, pies and breads and everything coming out of the oven. So very much the beautiful, um, and supportive energy with her as well. Now it's an interesting thing as well, because I keep on smelling smoke. So I'm understanding that she was a smoker. Oh, that's great. And she was saying, yes, lilies were her favorite. That's awesome. Um, and then there, I'm also understanding that she was a smoker at some point in her life as well. Um, but one of the things that she's saying, Nicole, is that there, she keeps on talking about separation with you too. Now, I don't know if it was at the end prior to her passing or if it was maybe like in your, you know, like maybe right after leaving the house. So maybe like in your younger adult uh, time frame for you. But one of the things she's saying that there was a period of time that was um, there was separation for you guys. Um, and the other thing is that it was a point of contention between you two. So there was a, a point of heaviness. She's also saying that there's something that carrying in uh, like within the family. Um, so I don't know if there was a lot of arguing maybe over like what mom's wishes were or whatever. But the biggest thing that she was sharing, uh, she was happy for you to leave. Yeah. So, you know, but the thing that she wants you to know, and this is a big thing, is Number one is letting you know, regardless of what transpired prior to her passing, um, that she still loves you. Number one. Number two is that, you know, there is no um, thinking judgment saying, oh my God, she's probably still mad at me or holding a grudge. And she's saying, absolutely not. And it's more the other way around is that she's really just asking for that that aspect of forgiveness, um, if you can find it within you. Um, but she's saying that it's very much like she keeps on showing me, like, I want to say, I almost want to say like it's crocheting, um, you know, so I don't know if she was into quilt work or like, or made, you know, crochet blankets or whatever the case is, but she keeps on talking about aspects of that as well. Um, and that was something that I was just seeing, but the other aspect is bringing, um, what I almost see is like a rift of family being brought together as, as far as you're aware, she wasn't into that. Okay. Well, and it could be even my misunderstanding. 
it could even be something like similar, like cross stitching or whatever. Sometimes my interpretation is a bit off. The thing, the only thing that I would share is that, you know, just stay open to that. But the thing that she does share, Nicola, is that, and I know um, that there's a lot of signs around this, but that she's around you probably more than what you're aware, right? Um, and it's interesting is where she's encouraging that, oh, okay, your grandmother was. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, is, you know, really stepping into your abilities um, and in her words of like playing it safe. I don't know. And it's always kind of hard, you know, with the, um, no, nothing with the radio, but I was going to say is the aspect of, you know, kind of was your mom always one that kind of was the pusher for you? Like, you know, holding your feet to the fire, like always pushing you to be like, you really need to go do this. And, you know, kind of like, um, you know, trying to, how do I want to say, get out there, do things almost kind of, I don't want to say annoying, but in a sense, maybe it could be looked upon that. Um, yeah, yeah, she was. Okay. So yeah, kind of interesting. So, um, but the biggest thing is, is to encouraging you now um, to step into your abilities, to step and it's and it's all for you because this is something that she knows that'll be more fulfilling for you um, in the future and also give you the confidence that you feel that, um, you know, we talked about confidence earlier about, uh, you know, so does that make sense for you? Right. Well, and I think that's the same, you know, like for everybody too, right, Jeremy, you know, like Nicole is saying, oh, God, you know, yeah, she I mean. misses, you know, like my own dad, uh, you know, passed as well. And, you know, and, and, you know, anybody that we love, um, we want to make connection one more time. You're more than welcome, Nicola. Thank you. Um, you know, we want to make connection one more time. We love these people. Um, you know, and so absolutely do we miss them. Oh, of course. Um, I mean, my father passed too back in 17 and I uh, miss him every day and I have yet to see any sign of him. So, I'm you know, that's it. We, you know, we, we talk about, we talked, uh, I was talking with somebody about signs and about how frustrating it is for some people to receive signs and other people not. Right. And everybody says, Oh, you know, just ask for a sign and, you'll get a sign, you know, ask for a two headed monkey. And, um, you know, it's like Nicola saying she was my best friend. That's so sweet, beautiful. Um, and you know, I would share is that, you know, have I found the magic elixir, so to speak, why one person will get so many signs and somebody else won't. I haven't because the person that is not getting any signs in their conscious mind. They're very much like you said, Jeremy, like I want to, um, you know, get signs, you know, exactly like Cole is saying that she played music for me days after she passed, um, you know, oh, on your Alexa, that's so awesome. Um, you know, that's beautiful. So whether it's, you know, music, whether it's, you know, giving, uh, you know, sending, you know, like, like I got, uh, you know, dragonflies after my father's passing, whether it's, um, 
you might see, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. So, um, you know, staying open to that, but it, have I found the one, you know, trying to tell one person saying, well, it's something in your subconscious that you're not, I don't know that. Um, you know, is it because spirit, um, hasn't moved on? I don't think that's, you know, I think that makes such a low percentage, um, for spirit that hasn't moved on in, in most cases. Um, you know, so, you know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people will say a lot of different things and all I can do is speak from personal experience saying you can try this, you know, can you write, you know, write your, write your loved one a letter. I've heard that, um, you know, ask for a sign that you typically never see. Uh, you know, I've asked for, you know, good Lord, what, what, uh, a pink unicorn one time I was trying to be a smart aleck and sure enough in our neighborhood, I was dry. It was a summertime and, uh, you know, here on a rummage sale front lawn was this three foot. I swear to swear to God, it was about three foot tall pink unicorn. And I was like, I said out loud, you gotta be, you know, kidding me. And, uh, yeah, it was so, you know, asking for signs do does work, but you know, why, you know, have I answered the, you know, the question why does somebody receive signs? One person receives signs and the other person doesn't. I haven't figured out that secret sauce yet. And uh so that's one of the quests that I keep on going on, you know, trying to understand myself like you know, are the people different? Are they having different experiences in their life? Is there something in the subconscious? Is there, you know, what, what factors are? Oh, yeah, okay. that's really, so yeah, Nicole is saying I've had lots of experiences, but only before the funeral of those people, after it goes away, almost kind of like they're at rest. Um, you know, so yeah, that could be, you know, so yeah, kind of like the uh, the spirit kind of saying final goodbyes, or for a lot of different experiences. So, yeah, I mean it's mind blowing when something does happen. I mean, what what happened to me last week freaking blew my mind. It was the first kind of sensitivity experience I ever really had, and yeah. I've been around spirits for the last four or five years. Between my wife's old house she lived in and the house we live in now, I've been around spirits just. They never interact with me. So, I mean, but sure. like, like you said earlier, those who want to know, don't know. And those who want to feel, don't feel. Like, that's just the way it goes. Right, but, right, right, right. But, yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure having you on, Dean. It was an amazing time, conversation. Your stories are truly mind-blowing, and I love hearing them. So, thank you well, for coming th on. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. It was uh, really fun connecting and chatting with you and and uh, your listeners tonight. And, and I hope that uh, somebody that listens to the recording, this gets something out of it. And, um, but I really do appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And want to let the people know where they can find you if they want to find out more about you. Yeah. If you want to head over to my website, you can at the military medium.com or Dean McMurray.com. Same website. You can just check me out. And then I'm on pretty much every social media platform. Um, you just look up uh, the military medium and you'll find me. 
nice and easy and i'll definitely put some links into the show description as well of course absolutely thank you so much and as all my listeners and watchers know you can find me and everything i do on the paranormal the new normal webs uh facebook page not website working on that but facebook page um that group has all five podcasts in my post to it plus any other guest appearances i do which are very often so go to that group and you'll see everything i do everything and you can also find me on twitter and the and the instagram as that juggalo bastard so as my listeners all my listeners should know this already but in case we got some new ones for this episode and we will see you in half a week when my next episode comes out thank you and thank you again dean for coming on it's been a fun night thank you to all the people who watched this tonight and commented hopefully we'll see you i should be live again on wednesday i believe so feel free to check it out then thank you Thanks, guys.